0: Welcome to The District Podcast, brought to you by The Spectator World. I'm contributing editor Chadwick Moore. After Elon Musk's $44 billion acquisition of Twitter, there's a lot of buzz about what this might mean for not just the platform, but for free speech in America and, of course, the upcoming midterm elections. One question on everyone's mind, will Musk reinstate accounts of those who were banned over constitutionally protected speech? And would those people come back? President Trump has stated he has no plans to return to the platform, but others are more than eager to rejoin. I am pleased to be joined today by a woman who was the face of Twitter censorship. She wasn't the first, and certainly not the last, prominent account to get banned, but she did make the biggest stink about it. She's also currently running for Congress in Florida's 11th district. Laura Loomer is with us. Laura, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for coming on. How have you been? What have you been up to?
1: Well, thanks for having me. I've missed you, Chadwick.
0: (laughs) I've missed you too.
1: Uh, Yeah. Uh, You know, I've uh, just been working hard, like I've been doing for the last five years, to raise awareness about the attacks on free speech and the the movement of digital extermination and the cancel culture movement, and uh, I'm running for Congress again. And so uh, people know me as being the most banned woman in the world and the first and only deplatformed platformed candidate in the nation. And uh, after my last election uh, in 2020, where I was proven to be right about everything that I predicted, right, I was the first to say that President Trump would be banned. Uh, I I distinctly remember confronting Dorsey during the congressional hearing in 2018 uh, when conservatives wanted to mock this. Right. If you recall this, everybody now wants to be an expert on free speech. Everybody now is an expert on social media censorship. But I'm old enough to remember, and you are too, Chadwick, a day when uh, even our own fellow conservatives were just saying, oh, well, you know, uh, just 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 move on or maybe self-censor yourself or maybe don't associate with people who are uh, not so controversial and you wouldn't uh, be banned. Uh, but uh, I'm running again and I'm determined to get to office and uh, prove that it's the American people who choose election winners and losers, not big tech.
0: So this is right. And you bring up a really good point because I distinctly remember around the time that, that you were getting banned, that a lot of people, Alex Jones, um, Gavin McInnes, People like that. There was this element of conservatives that were silent about it, maybe because they appreciated their competition being knocked out of the way, or they thought the people who were getting banned were just a little too messy for them. Like they weren't, you know, country club enough. They didn't want to wade into that. And I remember you and everyone else saying, and I think I said it too at the time, that this is going to come for the country club. Republicans and the most kind of mundane and 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 milk toast accounts uh, and innocent accounts and then of course that's exactly what happened up to like Charlie Kirk and the Babylon Bee getting suspended so you were right about that
1: right Yeah, well, uh, I'm always right. (laughs) That's my favorite thing to say, (laughs) right? Uh, But look, uh, they didn't take it seriously, and uh, now they're starting to learn the hard way. But the reality is is that they really haven't even experienced the brunt of it yet, because uh, the the topic of social media censorship and big tech censorship and uh, just... The way that Republicans as a whole tend to look at it is very surface level, right? They look at it with regards to social media bans on Twitter and Facebook. But the reality is, is that this is a movement that is more sinister than that. We're talking about financial blacklisting, debanking, deplatforming. I mean, I have not only been banned on all the social media sites. I had my own uh, online banking at Chase Bank shut down. I am now banned by the FBI from being able to own or possess a firearm. And so, you know, this has been happening for the last five years. And in the next few years, right, they'll realize that this is going to be even more mainstream when they start realizing that we have a full-blown social credit style system here in America. Uh, this uh, comes off the heels of uh, the creation yesterday of Joe Biden's uh, disinformation ministry of truth. I mean, who, uh, who knew that George Orwell's 1984 would, uh, would basically transcend from being a, a, a piece of fiction into, uh, I guess, uh, the manual of operation for the Biden regime?
0: So then how meaningful do you see what happened with musk buying Twitter is is does it deserve all of the excitement and optimism that people seem to be displaying right now or do you do you think it's not really going to change that, that this this Motion towards a social credit system.
1: Yeah, uh, I don't don't see anything changing. Honestly, I'm 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 critical of it. Um, Look, the fact of the matter is, is crimes have been committed, and so you get to see the intellectual dishonesty and the intellectual inconsistency of the mainstream conservative media complex put on display. First, we're talking about oh, it's a conspiracy theory. Alex Jones and Laura Loomer are just too controversial, right? They 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 should have just been quiet. Now it's like oh well, we're censored and oh, they'll never ban Trump. He's the most popular user. Oh, they ban Trump. Okay. And then they ignored the fact, right? Like my campaign was completely deplatformed. They only see what they want to see. Right. So then it became, oh, well, big tech is guilty of election interference. They, they deleted the Hunter Biden um, information and they, they locked out the New York post and they need to go to jail. This is, this is treasonous. Now we're seeing them say, Wow, Elon Musk literally bought Twitter to literally own the libs. So let's just forget about all this. I mean, where's the justice? OK, when are when are people going to jail? When is Jack Dorsey or Mark Zuckerberg going to go to jail for committing perjury and lying under oath to Congress? Are we going to hold anybody at Twitter accountable or do a criminal investigation into, fact, into the fact that um, they 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 censored. They interfered in our elections. That's a crime. Okay. You can go to jail for that. Are we going to ignore the fact that these companies have issued digital fatwas against people? Uh, Okay. They have, what else have they done? Uh, Defamed people. They have gotten people killed. They have incited violence. They have supported terrorist organizations like ISIS, Hamas, Hezbollah, the Taliban for crying out loud. Um, And so I'm, I'm just concerned that conservatives are just going to be consumed with their obsession, right? With uh, their meme culture and Elon Musk that they forget about justice and accountability and law and order, which is, I thought that's what we stood for as the Republican party, law and order.
0: Right. And your, your campaign, your last campaign really did bring up an interesting situation and, and, uh, and something that would hold the the big tech companies legally accountable. I mean, it was, it was blatant in-kind contributions to your to your competition, that your account, your campaign was banned from social media, from advertising and from, and from whatever else, but, but your child, the people you're running against were not, did you, you were going to take that to court, weren't you?
1: Yeah, well, we, we did what we did is we filed an FEC complaint. We were the first in the nation to file this FEC complaint against big tech for giving illegal legal in-kind contributions. But of course, uh, the FEC didn't have a full functioning quorum. And so that wasn't uh, heard during my uh, last congressional campaign. And because conservatives, like I said, I mean, there's a lot of intellectual dishonesty. Uh, They only want to talk about when it when it happens to themselves. So you see this in the case of a person like Charlie Kirk. We're supposed to stop what we're doing. The whole entire world has to stop. Uh, because it's a crisis, right? If somebody like a Charlie Kirk or, or a Ben Shapiro is deplatformed, if they're censored, or if a Candace Owens is censored or silenced, uh, but nobody cared, right? When when a, when a federal campaign for Congress was literally being censored and silenced, nobody cared. When I was endorsed by President Trump and when I won the Republican nominee and outfundraised all my opponents and was unable, right, to communicate in the middle of a so-called pandemic when it was it was banned. To campaign, you were banned from campaigning with threats of being arrested if you violated lockdown orders. Okay, so now they're seeing you're seeing a reaction to this, but still today, my campaign remains the only deplatformed campaign in the nation, and I'm running now in a different district against a Republican. I'm an America First Republican, primarying a pro impeachment Rhino. And where's the Republican Party? Right. You see on MSNBC this week, it was hilarious when Elon Musk purchased Twitter. They said, well, oh, my God, what happens if a billionaire can buy up a social media company and then they decide they just want to ban one particular candidate? <laughs> they, all know, they all know that this is already happening, but they they choose to stay silent about it. So. Are we really going to see a difference and we are? are we really going to see free speech when our own elected officials are basically salivating at the mouth and and fanboying over a billionaire? Isn't it their damn job to get off their asses and actually legislate according to the Constitution? When are we going to repeal Section 230? When are people going to jail for committing perjury? I mean, it really is an embarrassing state of affairs for the United States of America when our members of Congress, elected officials, are cheering on a billionaire and thanking a billionaire for saving free speech. Maybe, just maybe, Chadwick, if our politicians weren't too busy taking payouts from Google and Facebook and Twitter, that uh, maybe we'd actually have some free speech here in America.
0: Well, that's interesting, and I think I think you're you're right about that. And it, yeah, when you put it that way, watching them cheer on the billionaire to save free speech, what what? Would need to happen in Congress, or would it have to start on the state level? what What sort of legislation would have to be passed? How do how does that look?
1: Well, look, I mean, we saw we saw how the state level already failed, but that was for their own wrongdoing. Here in the state of Florida, right, they tried to say that they were going to save free speech. And look, I like Governor Ron DeSantis, but the reality is, is the tech bill was an absolute failure. Uh, they said that they were going to make it illegal for candidates in the state of Florida to be censored and banned by big tech. Well. I believe I am right. The only banned censored candidate in the state of Florida. And so I would know if this legislation like miraculously was helping my race. And um, I was very involved in trying to lobby to uh, to push this bill to include Um, You know, more like civil rights protections, because what I what I believe needs to happen on a federal level is the Civil Rights Act needs to be updated to include political affiliation as a protected class, because we see that these algorithmic manipulations and the censorship campaigns are directed towards conservatives to target, silence and oppress and discriminate against people based off of political affiliation. So that's what I want to do. I also want to repeal Section 230. I saw uh, briefly about an hour ago that um, legislation has been introduced as of today uh, to potentially address this issue. So we'll see where that goes. Uh, but but Section 230 was created prior to the invention of social media. So it's outdated and it provides protections and allows for these companies to get away with uh, their, their, their censorship, but through editorializing the content. Um, I also would like to see these individuals held accountable for committing perjury. Um, that's what I would like to see happen. And also, too... Uh, There needs to be reform in the Department of Justice because we're not going to see any true justice and prosecution for crimes unless we have reform in our in our Department of Justice. But you can't have states making legislation to repeal 230 because it's federal legislation. And we all know, or at least we should know. Right. All these politicians, aren't they all lawyers? Right. Um, I mean, they should know better. They should know better uh, than to create legislation on a state level that is intended to repeal Section 230. I mean, surely they know that's not going to happen.
0: Well, but 230 isn't necessarily the problem if it were only being applied. It's not being applied. It's not being applied to big tech. They're getting. They're not adhering to the conditions of 230 in order to get their protected you know, status.
1: What's happening is they're abusing the protected status. So they're getting this third-party pro- liability protection from being sued under the guise that they're platforms. Okay that that protection isn't there for publishers because if you're a publisher you're editorializing the content and even in my own lawsuit against Facebook that I filed several years ago, they admitted in legal documents that they are a publisher, that they view themselves as a publisher with a First Amendment right. So if I was a lawmaker, and soon I will be, I would take that evidence, that that admission in court documents and say, well, you're admitting that you're a publisher when you were asked under oath by, by members of Congress, whether you were a platform or publisher, you said that you were a media company. Okay, which is their way of skirting around and admitting that they're they're not actually operating as a platform. Right. Um, And I would I would say that that was that was grounds and that was enough evidence to revoke their 230 protection. Uh, But um, they are clearly editorializing. They're clearly serving as publishers, um, not platforms. um, And that's why they're getting away with everything. Um, it's very obvious for everybody to see that they're in violation, um, but also too, like you said, 2:30 is outdated because it was created before the invention of of social media, and so it's really become a Frankenstein right piece of legislation that has created a monster, a monster in the form of big tech.
0: That's right. Yeah, your, your civil case against them, and there was another case against them similar to yours, and in both. Cases Facebook argued in the court that they have an editor. They use the words that they are editors with an editorial voice, and then they turned around and in front, in front of Congress and said, "We have no editorial voice. We are a neutral yes, platform." Exactly. It's right there in the record on both. Yeah, you're exactly right to My that
1: case in. was the one they admitted it in, and and you're right. They ended up saying it in another one as well. It doesn't come to mind but exactly what that case was, but I, I do know my case and. Mike, I also filed a lawsuit against Google, Facebook, Twitter, and Apple that went all the way to the Supreme Court this last year, in which I said that they were operating as state actors. And now, if you look at if you look at uh, Twitter, um, some of their classifications, they're saying that uh, state media, right, under like the State Department account, and um, you see that the government is actually working with these companies, uh, Facebook and Twitter, to enhance their um, communications. And so, for example... Uh, to put this into perspective, so people can just see how they're not private companies and how they do have working relationships with the governments and they are subsidized by the government during the withdrawal in Afghanistan, which was a disaster. The State Department said, "Oh, be sure you follow our Twitter and our Facebook for updates on on how you can be evacuated."
0: That that's a really good point, and and you bring up the, even just the simple fact that you had even another example during the pandemic. Jen Psaki saying, "We're working with Facebook to identify." These twelve people that are that are going against our narrative that are spreading misinformation exactly. to get them silence. And so, then she
1: also, don't forget to add on to your point. She also asked them from the from the White House. She made a direct call to action, and so did Joe Biden, saying, "We are asking big tech, please work with us to crack down on these purveyors of misinformation." Yes,
0: which would make them an actor of the state and therefore susceptible to the First Amendment.
1: State actors, which is what my lawsuit argued. And unfortunately, the Supreme Court declined to hear it, but Justice Thomas issued a concurring opinion. Um, And it's funny too, this is how censored I am, that my own legal system in America, the highest court won't even recognize me by name. Uh, They didn't, I guess, want the controversy of having uh, Justice Thomas uh, say my name in his opinion. So they referenced me by my docket number, which is from speaking to my lawyers, almost unheard of. Uh, but um, they said, yeah, well, we're not going to take the case, but we agree that these are legitimate arguments that are eventually going to have to be addressed by the court. So they admitted it. I mean, you can go back and you can look at my case and you can see for yourself.
0: Wow. Well, if Elon Musk does welcome you back to Twitter, will you rejoin?
1: Uh, I think that people need to stop, um, you know, thinking about this in regards to, oh, what, you know, There's there's a difference between being welcomed back to Twitter and creating a new account and being unbanned, right? And we need to stop the misinformation that is being pushed out, that people are all of a sudden having their accounts reinstated. Um, I want to see justice. I want to see people go to jail. I think that Twitter is guilty of committing a lot of crimes. And uh, that's that's all I'm really going to say for now. But um, I'll be making some announcements in the next few weeks. And I hope that I'll be invited back on your podcast to talk about them.
0: Excellent. In the meantime, where can everyone find you and learn about your campaign?
1: People can go to lauralumerforcongress.com. That's lauralumerforcongress.com. The Republican primary in Florida is August twenty third, and uh, if you want to support my campaign, uh, you can donate online. You can follow me at, on Getter. You can follow me on Gab and Truth Social at Laura Loomer, and then on Telegram at Loomered Official. Uh, but I am not on Facebook. I am not on Instagram, and I am definitely not on Twitter.
0: And are you still not allowed in Uber?
1: Definitely not allowed in Uber. Have <laughs> Uber Eats, if you ever want to bring a sandwich, you know, your girl likes to eat.
0: So. You being banned from Uber Eats is my favorite ban of all time. It's still <laughs> the best one. <laughs> um, I mean,
1: everything, really, honestly. I remember when we used, when I used to live in New York and I used to hang out with you at your place, right? You had to order me a taxi one morning, so... You know, thank God for good friends like Chadwick Moore.
0: (laughs) Well, thank you, Laura. It's a pleasure talking to you and good luck in the campaign. We'll speak to you soon. All right. Thanks, Chadwick. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please check out more at spectatorworld.com. And if you'd like to listen to us, please check us out on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever podcasts are available.